Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Luke 17, if you would join me this morning, Luke chapter 17, if you join me this morning, I... Now you're going to have to, I'm going to take for granted that this is the smarter group of our church. So this morning, uh, normally I, I try to, I don't like to use the word this way, but normally I try to entertain a little bit and get your attention. And I'm sure I'll be funny a little bit somewhere along the line. It's usually my, my uh, MO. But you're going to have to listen this morning on purpose to get the point of the message. Today. And it's a message on three ways to be thankful. Three ways to be thankful. And there's scriptural messages that I want to look at this morning and uh, uh, have us look at. So, Luke 17, if you would. As a volunteer, a lady was a recorder of several audiobooks for the blind. She received a Braille card from one of, one of the uh, blind folks who received her work. And she thanked her for her work. Fortunately, the sender also enclosed their reading chart for the Braille words. And it took her 90 minutes to figure out what the card said. And then she reminded herself how blessed she was because she was able to read and to give out to those people. Sometimes in life, we forget how thankful we ought to be. I want to look at a scriptural point this morning about this thought about three ways of thanks. So if you would stand with me, if you would, as we would in respect of God's word this morning, I'd appreciate it. We're going to start reading in verse number five, Luke 17 and verse number five. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. I want you to get the context of what we're talking here this morning. And the Lord said, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you might say under the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Then he kind of changes gears here a little bit, and you need to catch what's going on. He changes the point. Verse 7, but which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet? What he's saying is you have someone who's been out in the field working for you, they come in working from you, and you're going to tell them right away, hey, go over there, sit down, and, and eat. Thank you for what you did today. I appreciate that. But look at verse 8. And I will, and will not rather say unto him, make, make ready wherewith, and I'm going to add a word, that I may sup. I appreciate your work all day, but you get table ready for me. It's time for me to eat. And gird thyself, and serve me. Till I, have take, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. And verse 9 is teaching us the lesson here of this story. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded of him? I trial not. What's he saying? This, is what, this was a servant's job. To go work out in the field or feed the cattle or whatever it may be. And then when you come back in, make sure my food's ready at my table. That, that was the servant's job. So he says, well, I'm not going to thank the servant for doing the job he's supposed to be doing. Is the crux of it. Verse 10. 
So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, ye say, we are unprofitable servants, for we have done that which is our duty to do. Did you catch the teaching here? You want thanks for doing what you're supposed to do? I trial not. Could be the sermon title. I trial not. It's, it's, it's respected of us to do what we're supposed to do and not necessarily have to be thanked about that. Because we live in a day we've got to pat everybody on the back for whatever they do. But the Bible says it's commanded you just do what you're supposed to do and you get, you're not going to be thanked for it. We just, we just, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're doing the right thing. We're going to talk about three of those things today. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to look into your word this morning. God, I, I may be a little backwards today on this today. I may be coming sideways at the point I want to make this morning. And Lord, I sure hope I can make the message clear for the hour that we all would be Bible, bi- biblically obedient in our thanks and the way we live our lives day by day. And I ask you to bless the Spirit of God. Give us all listening ears and a listening heart. In your name I pray this morning. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Back during the dark days of 1929, a group of ministers in the Northeast, they were all graduates from the Boston School of Theology, gathered to discuss how they could conduct their Thanksgiving services because things were as bad as they could be. And they saw no relief. The bread lines were depressingly long. The stock market was plummeted. The term of the Great Depression seemed an apt description for the mood of the country. And the ministers brought a thought that they should only lightly touch upon the subject of thanksgiving in deference to the human misery that was all about them. And after all that, they had to be thankful, that they had to be thankful for. But a pastor, his name was Dr. William L. Steger, pastor of a large congregational church in that city, he rallied this group together. And he said this, This was not the time, he suggested, to give mere passing mention of thanksgiving. He said, it should be just the opposite. This was a time for the nation to get to to matters in perspective and thank God for the blessings that have always been present, but perhaps superseded due to intense hardships. He said, I suggest to you ministers struck upon something that the most intense moments of thankfulness are not found in times of plenty, but when difficulties abound. Think of the pilgrims, their first Thanksgiving, half the number were dead, men without a country, but still they were giving thanksgiving to God. Their gratitude was not for something that they necessarily had, but maybe for something they lost. In the same way, Abraham Lincoln leaded us to the first Thanksgiving day in the midst of national civil war as the casualties began to climb and to build up and we saw our nation struggling. He said, let's be thankful for what we have. See, true Thanksgiving doesn't come when things are good. It should come when things are bad. In this chapter, Jesus here instructs his disciples on, on forgiveness early in the chapter, and he, he instructs his disciples on faithful service. Jesus heals the ten lepers later on after this passage that we read, and, and uh, only one of them comes back and says thank you. 
His disciples uh, uh, should be uh, uh, ready to uh, say, boy, uh, where are the nine? But only one came back. Jesus speaks of his coming again. He speaks of a severe forgiveness that needs to be practiced. His disciples should be ready to forgive. and He's trying to prepare them for what's about to happen in their ministry in the years to come. He does not say that one who offends should not be rebuked, but he said, be careful how you rebuke them. And he's trying to get them to be appreciative of what they had and what they've been given. And I believe he was sincere. Let me now make the application to this passage and get into the message. I've got a real long introduction. I've got a short sermon, and I'm sure you're all happy about that. But because I say short doesn't mean short. There are people who believe that because they follow the Sermon on the Mount or they follow the Ten Commandments that they're good people, that they're decent people. And to be honest about it, if you follow the, Mount, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, if you follow the Ten Commandments, you will appear to be a good person. You will have some integrity and you will be honest and decent looking. And, uh, uh, but you have not earned your way to heaven. Do you think you're going to receive salvation because you just did uh, uh, what was expected of you? This week I've been thinking about thanks. I've spent much time and thought and I've been in different atmospheres, situations this week and not kind of unusual for me. You know, my life is pretty steady, the same thing every week, but it's been different this week. So I've had some time to think about and be grateful for God's blessings I began thinking about the disciples. I began thinking, as I was reading this passage and studying for this morning's message, I was thinking, well, I wonder, is there any place in Scripture where the disciples thanked Jesus for what he had done for them? My first thought was, I don't recall any time in Scripture where I see Peter, James, and John, or, or Andrew, or Bartholomew, or Matthew, or any of them saying, thank you, Jesus, that we're here. I do recall the time when Peter was on the Mount Transfiguration. He says, boy, is Lord good for us to be here to see this thing going on. There again, Peter showing off who he was. So I put some more thought to it and looked at it, and really I could not find any place in, in, the, uh, in Scripture where they thanked Jesus Christ. But I find it hard to believe that they weren't thankful for what Jesus did to them. I mean, listen, someone who came into your life and changed it. Someone who performed miracles for you and your family and others that you cared about. I think you'd be thankful. I would think it'd be unconscionable for the disciples not to thank the Lord for their salvation. Not to thank the Lord for the ability that they could preach. Not to thank the Lord for the power that he was giving them to heal the sick and to travel and spread the gospel. It's just hard for me to think they weren't thankful. But it's not mentioned, as far as I could tell. I'm not saying it's not. I just couldn't find it. But when you look in the Reader Digest version, you don't find very much. <laughs> but I couldn't find it. And verse 9 has been a verse that for a long time has convicted me doth he thank that servant because he did things that were commanded him i trial not don't take me wrong this morning i know we are commanded in scripture in thessalonians to give thanks in all things 
But this principle this morning is very intriguing to me. So I did a word search on the word thank in Scripture, and I got three points. They're basically not points. They're three statements I want to make about this word thank in Scripture, and that we can identify something here about the way we should live our life being thankful. First statement is this. The word thank was used by Jesus first as our example. He thanked God for many things. He thanked God for many things. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. He was thanking God for the opportunity that he had. He said, listen, thank, thank you, Lord, that the smart, smart Alex have no idea what I'm talking about. That's the Reader Digest version. They don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Thank you that you've hidden these things. And don't we live in that day today that we understand what's happening in our world? We understand where we're headed. We understand where this train is going. And yet the, wise, the smartest people of the world have no idea what we're talking about. They think they're wise in, in what they believe. And they think their intelligence has put them above and their intelligence is even above God. And boy, without God, where would it be? I mean, they, they've, already been, they've already shown themselves on climate control. Oops, we missed that one, didn't we? They've already shown themselves on health care. Boy, we missed that one, didn't we? And they already showed themselves that their wisdom is not even close to the wisdom of God. But three lessons I've learned from this. Lesson one is this. Jesus was thanking God for fulfilling his plan and purpose and the wisdom from those who consider themselves to be wise. And I'm just going to pat you on the back this morning and tell you, dear believer, if you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, when you walk down the street, there is nobody on that street as wise as you are. There's nobody on the street as intelligent as you are for you're accepting Christ as your savior. That's the wisest, smartest thing you've ever done. And there is nobody smarter than you unless they have that same belief that you have. I don't walk around, oh, that guy's got a PhD, he's got, a, he's got an ADD, and he's got this, he's got that, he's got preparation H and everything else. <laughs> and we, we use all these things, even in the church world, we use all those things to impress ourselves. But if they walk around without Christ, they're not very smart at all. If you don't start with God in your life, you're not very wise at all. And we need to do is thank God for all he has done for us and his will for us because he is light years ahead of the wisest among us. We need to stop buying into the wisdom and knowledge of the world because that brings trust in the world that cannot satisfy. And what I fear I see happening today is that we are trusting what the world's philosophy, the world's intelligence is, is telling us, and we're trusting that even in God's people and it's down the wrong road. For our faith to increase, we must be mindful that God hides the truth from the wise and reveals it unto babes. And we should, we should relish in that. I don't mean walk around saying, I'm smarter than you are, nanny, nanny, boo. I'm not saying that. But we should not be intimidated by who we are, what we believe, what we stand for, because someone has something that maybe we don't have. 
a few dollars that we'll never have. And we become intimidated by those things. Matthew 11, 23, And thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the, if the mighty works which have been done in thee have done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that, that it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in that day of judgment for thee. And then Jesus said, and at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto men. Listen, listen this morning. Listen, there's a judgment day coming and we've not been hid from us. But the world can't see it coming. As we look around and we see the chaos and we see that and sometimes devastation what's going on. When we see what one man will do against another man in the day we're living in, in a God-fearing country, we are in some bad times. And we have an answer, but they don't want the answer. And we shouldn't be so wise to think we can't try to help in that problem. But Jesus here is talking about the rejection of the mighty works being done. See, listen, if Sodom had been preached the word of God as it was being done in here in Galilee at this time, Sodom would have been spared. But the Galileans are now more responsible because they've heard and they didn't respond. Oh, today... Listen to me well. We had better get to the place of living life responsible for what we've seen and what we heard. I'm going to scare you this morning. When you walk out of church, you're responsible for everything you heard and you saw that day. That scares me. It scares me. When I read the word of God every day in my life and I read through passages and passages, I understand as I read that scripture that I am responsible for what I read that day. I'm responsible to do something about it, to live what I read, to, to live according to what I just read in Scripture, try to be the Christian God would have me to be. I'm responsible. And are we really thanking God that way by the way we're living? We have a great responsibility. Number, lesson number two at this point, Jesus also thanked the Father for him being glorified for what was about to happen to Lazarus. In John 11, when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he stood there and he was ready to raise Lazarus from the dead, he said, I thank thee after he prayed. I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Isn't it great to be a Christian that you know when you pray, God's heard your prayer. Your prayers don't just go to the ceiling as some preachers will tell you. When you and I pray in the spirit of God, our prayers are heard. And we should thank God after we pray that he heard them just as well as we thank him before we pray that he will hear us. But we ought to be thanking God for the fact that we can pray. Listen, when you pray, you're not praying some dead statue somewhere. You're praying to a living, uh, alive, powerful God. He's not a statue. He's alive. He's not, some, he's not some theory. He's not some philosophy. He's not some confusion. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. Thanks should be directed back to the source of the power of the miracle. And we are so quick to show ourselves strong and not God. But if you thank God for what he's done and what he's heard in your life, things will change in your life. If not for him, where would I be today? Where would I be if not for God in my life? Where would I be at today? 
I'd be miserable like everybody else who thinks they're happy. I got this illustration the other day, and I, I'm wanting to use it. And it may be crazy, but aren't you thankful for Central Baptist Church? Aren't you thankful that we're not perfect here? I look around, and I know most everybody, almost everybody. A few visitors I don't know. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Don't take this. I'm not Pastor Dean, so you listen to what he says. But I look around, I know about most of us. And do you know that we could go church shopping? And do you know what you're going to find when you go church shopping? You're going to come in, you're going to sit down. Some guy leading the singing is going to stand up. Hey, will you stand up? Let's sing this song. Let's sing this song. Someone's going to sing a special. Maybe a choir is going to sing. Maybe a, maybe a special for the message. And the pastor goes up and preaches, just like happens at your church. Yeah. That same thing happens here, happens over there. What's the difference? I don't know. I don't know. What's the difference? The difference is, I think someone who's thankful for what God has done for them will live a life being thankful. When a church, I don't care what church it is, when a church God uses to reach down and to help you in your life and your family, you should be so thankful that you're dying with that place. I'm not saying God doesn't move people. Don't get me wrong, God's moved us and we'll get that this morning. I'm not saying that, but I'm not looking. I'm thankful for what God's done. I mean, as pastor, I cannot believe the people who I've seen walk down the aisle, get saved, uh, they got baptized, uh, we disciple them, we, we invest in them, we spent time in them, and one little thing happens, and they're gone. But God uses our church to change, help change their life for the good of Christ, and they're gone. What happened? They're not thankful. They're not thankful. But I want to be thankful. The third lesson is this. Jesus taught here is why thank, be thankful. Those who you love, uh, sorry, third lesson Jesus taught is why, thank, why are you thankful for those who love you or do things for you? The lesson he's teaching out of Luke chapter 6 is this. Why, how, why are you thankful just for those who love you? Right? For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them that do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do the same. You wash my hand, I wash your hand, right? That's what the world does. And if you lend to them of hope, lend who, have, who have hope to receive, well, thank you, you for sinners also lend to sinners to receive much again. America is one of the most giving charitable countries in the world. We've lost people giving to help people out. We're doing good for other sinners, right? You can be thankful, but if you're thankful for those things, for those who can't love you and help you in any way, that is true thanksgiving. When I'm thankful for those who can't do anything for me. And I could spend a lot of time on this this morning. I'm not going to. But I think a lot of marriages have started off with you do this for me, I'll do this for you. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. And when you can't do this for me, and you can't do this for me, I'm going to see you later. That's not loving. Not being thankful for what you have. I think it's the same in the church world where you work at. I think the same thing, family, all the same way. But you love, but love your enemies. 
Do good to them, lending hope for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Listen, this morning, we need to be thankful for those that can't do anything for us. I know in church we tease around. We want that. We want the banker and the financier to come in the church because they're going to be big givers. But I found the most helpful people spiritually in your church are not big givers. They're big workers. I find sometimes people who are financially can give to the church, they just give and do nothing else. I think they're missing the blessing. We got to be involved physically and working and serving the Lord, being thankful for that, but being thankful for those who can't do anything for us. Boy, that would change the way we think. Number two, number second point is this. I'm hurrying through this. I want to be out here by 11.45. I'm on a mission. And don't tell Pastor Dean that either, by the way. Number two, thanks is not worth any merit or weight unless it's done by the act of being thankful. The statements I'm making, thanks is not worth any merit or weight unless it's done by the act of being thankful. Luke 17, 16, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, where, uh, this is the, the, the 10 lepers being healed after the passage we read a while ago, where are, uh, were there not 10 cleansed? And where are the nine? The one who was thankful Jesus says, is the one that came back and bowed down and worshipped him. But where are the nine? Right? Where are the nine? Where are they at? There are 73 references to the word thanks. And every use of that form is usually the word, the form of the word give, gave, or giving is in the same text with it. Or an implication of an act of giving. Just to throw out thanks uh, a giving, if you would. If you would follow Luke 17, the healing of the ten lepers, the one who came back gave thanks. They returned action for the miracle that brought thanks. Thanks is never practiced until it evolves an act of giving. How's that? Now, I say this same thing about repentance or being sorry. You're not sorry until you quit doing what you're doing. You can tell me you're sorry all you want to, but you keep doing what you're doing. You're not sorry. You keep on doing it. You're just sorry I caught you. <laughs> but you're not sorry because you keep on doing it. You're not really sorry. It's an act of giving. Uh, the throwing out thanks is one thing, but to actually where it changes my life, it's an act I do. I want to live. Listen, what's it, what's it boiled down to? I want to live my life in the act of being so thankful that God knows I couldn't do anything for my salvation. I'm so thankful I'm going to serve him until I die. Because he gave me something I couldn't do myself. And I want to serve him as long as I can. I know sometimes we've got to change the gears. I used to run in high gear. I hope I'm in medium gear, but I see... Slow gear coming real quick. Yeah, amen? But I want to keep, why? I am thankful for what he gave me. And the way I show him I'm thankful is I'm going to keep serving him until I'm done. Until till till he calls me home or I'm laying in the casket somewhere. Me and Elvis. But thanks 
is never truly practiced until it involves the act of giving. A true test of thanks is a motive of the heart in giving thanks. Give, gave, giveth, or had give. Matthew 15, he took seven loaves and Jesus gave thanks, remember, and break them and gave them unto the multitude. In verse 16 of Luke, he said, 17 of Luke, he said, he fell down on his face, his feet, and giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Romans 14 talks about uh, that, uh, that the Lord uh, provideth for us and he giveth, giveth God thanks. We should be thankful. We really should be thankful for our Logans. I'm with you. When I'm sitting down at a table and they put a food in front of me, I am not praying for all the missionaries in the world. <laughs> I'm not praying for you and your health problems. I'm just, am I being honest? My main goal at that moment is thank you for this food quickly as can because I want to get busy. Are we really thankful for the food that was put there in front of us? I don't mean necessarily at that moment we should sit there and all get down on our knees and have a prayer meeting in the middle of Logan's. In fact, it may help. But I think we ought to be thankful. Our life should be a life we live thankful for every morsel of food we get to eat. Every stitch of clothes that we're able to wear. Every uh, material blessing of life that we're enabled to acquire and have ours, we ought to be truly thankful that God would bless us with those things. But we're living a life today where we expect those things. Uh, servant, you come out of the field from feeding the cow or, or feeding the cattle or uh, uh, doing all those things, that's fine. When you get in, uh, don't sit down and eat yet. Get my plate ready. Because that's what's expected of you. And then after that, you can go ahead and eat. Not that he couldn't eat, but that was what was expected of him. Ephesians 1.16, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light. Revelations 11.17, saying, we give thanks O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken, thee, taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. We give God thanks when we do it by the way we live our lives. We're very good at lip service. We struggle at living a life of thankfulness. Number, the third statement is this. We are to come before him with thanksgiving no matter what life may have brought our direction. We are to come before him with thanksgiving no matter what life may have brought our direction. Psalms 104, enter in his gates with thanksgiving and into his course with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Do you realize this morning the life that you've been given to live is because you have life, you ought to be thankful for the life God gave you. No matter what you're going through. I know the holiday season for some is hard. Why? You're missing loved ones. 
Loved ones that shouldn't have died too soon. Loved ones that probably died about the right time. But you miss them. You love them. You miss maybe some family who you can't get along with anymore. I'm sure none of you have that problem. We should be thankful for them. Whatever God has brought your direction. Realize that the life that you've been given is a life that you need to be thankful for. Nobody else has the opportunity that God has given you. And I've said this often, the reason why God brings trials and tribulations into our life is that we may experience them so that we can help other people with what we've experienced. And realize you're not alone. You're not the only one who's had those same problems and those same struggles. Realize those of a reprobate lifestyle cause their problems by not being thankful for God. What I fear, what I see happening uh, around us and even in our country is that we're no longer thankful for what God's done for us. Romans 1.21, because that when you knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And we're coming to an age where we're not thankful for what God's given us. We're not thankful to the point that we are serving him with our lives. No matter what comes our way, it's amazing how easy God's people get off track. It's amazing. COVID got a bunch of people off track. And COVID was an issue. And it was serious. And it could be life-threatening. And it is like, what well, has been life-threatening. I, I've lost an uncle with COVID in the middle of all that. A good, godly uncle. Uh, one of my favorite uncles. And uh, by the way, and now his, his, uh, his wife is dealing with cancer. She's not long to live. Probably not. My Aunt Celia, keep her in your prayers. But, but listen, it, it's, it's going to come. But to talk to my uncle and talk to my aunt, you never think there's anything wrong with them. Why they're thankful for the life God's given them, no matter what came in their direction. We could all spend time, either we've been in the middle of it, or we know somebody who's been in the middle of it. We could all spend time, boy, I've been right in the middle of this and that, whatever, and we've all been there, but we should be thankful. And if America goes down the drain, whatever way it goes, we should be thankful. And find out, what, what's God doing? Because God's up to something. He's up to something. We are commanded to be thankful. It's not an option. Remember, the Lord does give thanks, not for doing what you're com- what's commanded of you to do, but what, for not doing what you're not commanded to do, going up and above who you are. Give us thanks. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you also were called in one body, and be ye thankful. There's more to it than just saying, sitting around the table and saying what I'm grateful for at Thanksgiving time. My life is lived in a way that I see, godly people see, and a lost person sees that I'm thankful for what God's done for me. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. Many, many years ago, they were still having slave auctions in our country. 
An old woman was put up on the auction block. I, when I read the story, I thought of this being like uh, Hosea, being Gomer and Hosea. But she was put up on the auction block. She was distressed lest she might be sold to some cruel master. But a good man bought her, and he set her free at once. He said, you're free. You can live the rest of your life as you need to go live it. You're free. But she said she would not leave him. She would not leave the one that had set her free. And she insisted on going into his household and serving him. Now, when she could do that, she was pleased and she could go anywhere she wanted to. She was happy that she's been released. But she said, he saved me. He saved me. How could I go anywhere else? And this morning, is your life being lived at the point that Jesus Christ saved you? How could you do anything else but serve him? This is how we ought to feel toward him who died for us, who set us free. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this morning. I know sometimes this being thankful thought is sometimes a matter of words. Sometimes it's just us speaking and it's a common conversation. But Lord, may we truly live lives that are thankful for what you've done for us. May we live lives that beyond any shadow of a doubt, those around us, those who know us, those who follow us, they know that we're thankful for our salvation. And we're thankful for the blessings that you've placed upon our lives. And we are truly thankful to the point we show our thankfulness. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.